Welcome back for part two of my conversation with Jeremy Keeler, in which we talk about uh, the need for people to have curiosity. More of our friends uh, should have curiosity, which should drive them to learning more. And um, we also talk about the oil commodity and how he would have bought, bought, bought the oil when it went down recently, and he would have made some money. With you know, it was a small bump and stuff like that. Um, so that's a short-term trade based on, um, you know, knowing that the Omicron wasn't going to do a whole lot, or, or you know, knowing whatever news was in the the hopper at the time wasn't going to be a long-term thing. You can make a lot of money on on especially stocks um, when bad news comes out that you know is not going to be relevant in a you know a couple of months or a couple of weeks. I, I did that multiple times with I think it was Pandora or no, it was, maybe it was GameStop. Well, anyway, several years ago. I made three trades. The first position I had was uh, I held by uh, about seven, eight, nine months or something like that. Then it went up and I sold, got a 20% return or something like that. And then it dropped because the CEO w went out and uh, I bought again and, and he it went back up. It did this three times within a year. And I'm like, well, that's never going to happen again. Um, we talk about 401 contributions. Uh, he's uh, against the 401k. I got two friends now that anti-401k, but I make the case that if your company is giving you 50%, so 50 cents on the dollar, up to a, a certain percentage, for me, it's up to 6%. So if you contribute 6% of your income to a 401k, they'll contribute up to 3% of your income's worth of value in free money. And at my... Uh, rate of, of making money, my uh, income per year should be about $2,000 a year. Now, somebody tell me why that is a bad investment, right? So I'll put in, maybe I'll put in $4,000 and get $2,000 on top of that, which is $6,000 every year. That alone is not a bad deal, right? That's 50% immediately, right? But not only that, your 401k over time, goes up. It just does, unless you happen to retire at a time where it, it went in half. But even if it goes in half, you already got 50% contributions, plus whatever gains over the years. So this is a no-brainer. Now, if that's all you're banking on, your entire um, retirement on that alone, well, you better make it big, like 15%, like... Uh, Dave Ramsey suggests you can't just rely on 6% of your income for 20 years or the last 15 years of your life to expect or before you retire and expect that's going to hold water for the rest of your life. You got to do it right. It's just like everything. You've got to do it the right way. So I make that case. Um, you got to get out of debt. You got to know what you're putting your 401k into. We don't talk. I don't think we talk a lot about that like I'm doing right now, but um, yeah, 15% and maybe even more. For me, I'm in small cap stocks. I got 10% in JB Hunt, about 30 or so percent in small cap, and the rest is in uh, growth. And I'm going to adjust that a little bit more for a smaller cap. I'm, I'm basically torn between the small cap play and the the growth play, because the growth is a steady upward trajectory. So every time you buy shares, it's going to be more expensive than the time before, but the ones you already bought are growing, 
right? So that's one strategy. The small cap doesn't grow quite as much as the growth stock, but it drops. It's more volatile. So your dollar cost averaging is going to really help when it goes down in your purchasing on the down. And then it comes back up and it goes down. But over time, it's rising, right? A little bit slower than the growth fund. But uh, but because you got all these discounts, it might actually outperform the growth fund, you know? And of course, 10% in JB Hunt is because I work for JB Hunt. And um, I just think on principle, I ought to own the company. Plus, I, I really like how they're running it. I like their business model. And that's my conservative play for now. I, it would have actually been 20%, but uh, the FCC doesn't allow for that or something like that. Um, they, they only allow me up to 10%. So... Um, but as I get older, maybe uh, while I'm approaching 50, uh, I'll probably go more into mid-cap and large-cap stocks because I want to hold value. Um, but really, honestly, I think I might just do a, a more aggressive strategy until, yeah, uh, once because 59 and a half you can start uh, withdrawing and you really want to go more conservative because you want to save what you've gotten and plus by then you have so much that the smaller growth is going to be substantial and so it's better to play a more conservative strategy at that time and who knows maybe by 50 55 um, uh, bonds will be worth buying again who knows what's going to happen by then but bonds are a bad idea right now because even though interest rates are going up your bond value is going to drop. Conversely, back in the day, you know, maybe 20 years ago now in 2008, bonds would have been great to hold because even though they were dropping the interest rates, you already had a decent interest rate on your bond and therefore the value of your bond would have gone up. So it would have made sense to have it at the time, making whatever 4 or 5% that it would have had but as interest went uh, went down to 1%, that would quintuple the si the value of your bond because it's going to be matching market uh, percentage. But anyway, this is probably all inside uh, baseball for you know most of you people, and I don't want to ramble on. The uh, last thing I think we talk about that I wrote down is uh, Biden's oil policy and, and how that has affected. So we kind of circle back what we started on the beginning of the last episode, and we talk more about the oil market. And um, so let's uh, let's get started. Here is the episode. Um, I, I, I do. I just got a text message that I and they're going to need my help rotating the tree because archery also has a bit of a bald spot. Oh, yeah. So, uh, it fell over last night. Um, Ooh, it, it's not decorated yet. Yeah, it turns out, okay, remember it was super heavy, so I didn't actually clamp it down at the bottom. That was Sophia that did that, but uh, it wasn't, it didn't have a good grip on the bottom, so it uh, just kind of slowly but surely. Timber, it was, it was, it was off. It? Yeah. Uh, no, it, it just fell, it just fell against the couch and it, and it didn't, it wasn't decorated, so, you know, we, it, some the water spilled out that was underneath. That's about the worst that thing that happened. Oh, okay. So, wow. Yeah. But, you know, so just real quick, just kind of to wrap it up, I just, I I wish that more people would go on a quest for knowledge about how the world works and how the yeah, country curiosity. works. Yeah, curiosity. 
Yeah, and I yeah, that to me, you know, you really just, summed up the other day. You summed up what three things: curiosity, ambition, and what else? Wasn't there a third one? Um. Well, at least yeah. those two, ambition and curiosity. You really can't <laughs> delegate those, and you can't borrow them. You really have to dig deep and and find it in your soul. <laughs> The, the the third one was probably uh, like determination or work one one of the one of those oh uh, yeah determination or uh, persistence yeah yeah persistence definitely yeah. persistence is definitely something you have to <laughs> you know how many people have come up to me I I I blather all the time right so I I, I people will come up to me and they'll go you know uh, about six months ago we were talking. And you said yada 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 yada, and man, I just want to say that that really changed my way I think about things, and that was uh, that was huge, man. I really appreciate that. I'm like, oh, okay, that's awesome. I have no no memory of ever saying that. Uh, <laughs> that happens all the time, dude. I bet you every three or four months, someone will come up to me, or a family member will say, you know, you once told me da 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 da, da and man, that 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 stuck with me. And I've never forgotten that. It's wanted to say, you know, thank you. That was a big deal. And I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I have no, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> but, it, but it, I must have said it because they're like, they totally, like you're, like you're telling me, you know, about the uh, curiosity and ambition and all that stuff. And that sounds like something I would say, but I don't remember actually saying it, you know. Oh, really? Because I, yeah, yeah. You told me yeah. that. You, you said. Uh... Yeah, people really need to have these things. Yeah, and I think you you nailed it because I I was thinking that too, and I had boiled it down to um, ambition. That's the one thing you really need, and and things can fall in place, but it's really not enough. Because mm -hmm. I I know somebody who is you know super ambitious, and you know just recently they they become curious, and that is the biggest difference because that's what was missing in their life. They're persistent and they're ambitious, but they needed that curiosity, and they got it. Well, it's like I it's like I heard uh, I heard once uh, I don't remember who it was, it was a football coach, and he they're talking about luck in football. Oh, they got lucky, and he said uh, there's no there's no such thing as luck. It's uh, luck is when you have opportunity when, when opportunity meets uh, preparation. Yes. So yeah. if you are preparing yourself for the fumble, you're looking for that fumble and you're training for the fumble. When that opportunity happens and you see it, you realize it and you jump on it. That wasn't luck. Oh, he just got lucky, you know, because he found, no, that was when, when when preparation meant opportunity, right? So. Yeah. Uh, I've never forgotten that because a lot of people talk about luck. You know, people, I know people all the time, like they talk about how unlucky they are. Oh, I'm so unlucky. I lost my job. I lost my dog. I lost my wife, whatever. It's like, yeah. No, you just make bad decisions. And, and yeah. not only do you make bad decisions, you don't learn from the bad decisions that you make. I've, yeah. I've made a ton of bad decisions, but after a while I go, Hey stupid, maybe you shouldn't do that anymore. Yeah. You, you change course, adapt. Maybe yeah. adaptation is is another key. Yeah. Oh, Jenny, yeah. Jenny. And, and and you know, talking about curiosity, you know, my 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 son-in-law, he has tremendous ambition, and he's 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 got that tenacity, he's got that persistence, 
But up until just, I want to say, maybe it was him getting married that's starting to change his, his mind. But up until just recently, like in the last few months, he started to ask questions. Like everybody at work is like, you need to max out your 401k and you need to, you need to hit these numbers. And he's like, oh, hold on, hold on a minute. You know, like he was asking us the other day, like, so, uh, how, how is your, um, life insurance policy going to take care of you? Like when you get, when you retire, you know, and I was like, well, one, it's going to build cash value. There'll be, there'll be plenty of money in there by the time you retire. But two, I said, we're, we're using, we're using that money and we're, we're, and we're, what we're doing is we're, we're recycling it and we're moving it and we're buying into, you know, assets that provide cash. I said, we're not going to have to worry about if we have enough money saved in our quote unquote nest egg. We'll have, you know, income streams coming in. And he was kind of, you could see him kind of going, huh. He was like thinking about it, like, all right, I guess that makes sense, you know. But he's, he's asking questions. He's, and he's asking, he was asking some good questions. I'm like, oh, you know, because I asked myself those questions. Well, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, I don't, the, the, the thing is with that particular type of deal, it's not, it's not an investment towards retirement. It, it's, a, it's a tool. And you're and you're banking with that money, right? So well, you're, if you can get a, a 401k with a match, you should you should match it. You know, mm-hmm. max out. So for mine, it's a three. Uh, it's a 50% match up to six percent. In other words, they'll give you three percent of your annual income if you put in six. Definitely makes sense to do that because so that's the four, do you know what the 401k? Do you, <laughs> well, no, I'm just Ramsey says 15%, which I intend on doing at some point, but the minimum is three money. Three money, when you're 59 and and a half, you can start withdrawing that money. Sorry to cut you. What if you don't want to withdraw it? Huh? What if you don't want to withdraw it? Well, you can lie. You have to. But you're going to pay interest. You you have to withdraw it, right? Or you get penalized? No. uh, 59 and a half is the earliest, right? Right, but what if you what if what if you have plenty of money and you don't want to withdraw it? You want it to still continue to grow. Use another div, uh, investment vehicle. It's the tax deferment <laughs> and stuff. You have to. You have the government forces you to pull it out, or you have to. Well, there's more to that the story, right? Because it's a tool, and you use the tool according to how you can use it, and it makes financial sense. It doesn't mean you have to do that and not do other things. It's just one of the tools in in the arsenal, and I think if your if your company is going to match your contributions by fifty percent, you take the free money. It's fifty dollars a week for me, forty probably, but that's four, eight, twelve, sixteen. That's almost two hundred dollars a month of money they're going to give me. Why would I not? That's like a fifty percent return on investment without the stock market. The the guy the the man. See, you need to do some your own homework on this because I don't I don't know what to tell you. But the guy who invented the four hundred one k who basically invented it and in front for Congress or whatever put it together. I can't think of his name um, because I'm terrible with names. But he's like, yeah, I would never do a four hundred one k. If you get matching contributions, that's an automatic 50% return on your investment without anything happening in the stock market. You know the stock market's not going to really go below 50% altogether, usually. Even if you lose 50%, you're still breaking even. You know, if, if you happen to retire or start retiring at a time when the stock market crashed and your company 
contributed 50% of your contributions, you broke even. It probably so didn't his break name, even. It, you better broken was, even because it, it's increased all this time. His name was Ted Benna. He, it was invented in um, 1980. And uh, there's an article right here on Barron. The inventor of the 401k thinks it's gone awry. So but see, it was okay. the... So Dave Ramsey does 401ks, but that's not the only one a thing he does. He's heavy in uh, real estate, just like you are. Well, what? What? With oh, yeah. Huh. Okay. All right. Well, I, I do have to get going. I don't well, want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> that's yeah, we haven't even got to the oil thing, so that'll be a oh, yeah. interesting yeah, thing yeah. later. I uh, I will on thirteen on here, so that's cool. Trim it I, I'm going to look for man. If I was in in the in the markets, right? You know, which I don't really mess with that aspect of of finance, as you know. But uh, I would have been having a field day buying oil oil uh, contract yesterday. I would have been having a field day. <clears throat> I would have been buying. I would have buy 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 buy. I would have been buying, and I would have been. Oh come on! Let me check it right now. Wait, wait a I little bit a, more. Yeah. I, wait, wait a little bit more. You don't know. You don't. You don't know when it's going up or when it's going down. No, but it's it's flat right now. I don't know if it's. Well, or it's not. Saturday, so I don't know what what markets are open anyway. Okay. Yeah. What was sixty nine or sixty eight the last time I saw it? Sixty eight fifteen. Yeah. WTI. That's that's a bunch of speculators. Losing, losing their collective shit because of the new, <laughs> of the new variant, and I'm like, hey, yeah, I'll, no, I'll, I'll take your, I'll take your time. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's exactly why it dropped. And then on top of that, you got freaking Biden. Oh, I'm a lower gas price, y'all. And he releases yeah. two and a half days of the yeah. strategic reserve, and then you got freaking OPEC over there going, oh yeah, you want to play like that? Okay, well you know what, we're just gonna cut our production. And uh, by January of next year, you are going to start to see oil surge. And unless I will give one caveat, unless you got some sort of, if the corona, this particular variant is like just as bad, it's worse than anything everyone, anyone's seen, and they start shutting down the planet again. That is the only caveat. But other than that, oh man, I, I oil oil is going to be making doing gang gangbusters. And the gangbusters. primary reason for that. Is what? Uh, reduction in uh, production. Good. Yeah, because of the uh, federal government uh, uh, lands being shut down. Yeah, and they're gonna. They're. They also want to start charging more for the permits, so it's gonna cost more for the existing permits that they have. You know, that, of course, you know, don't even get started on what they did with the Keystone Pipeline shutting that down. And then, yeah, uh, he he got the president of the United States begging on his knees, begging OPEC to crank out more oil. In, in one in one year, the United States goes from being the leader in in oil production yep, yep. to being on our knees, you know, face down. <laughs> I don't mean to get crude, but ass up. Please, please give us yeah. oil. Yeah. We we yeah. we need. You know, it's like, yeah. wow, what a bunch of pansies that we have running. Yeah, so, I don't yeah. That, yeah. You, well, if you're if you're a thinking Democrat and you're for uh, 
and you're for your global warming person and you're for uh, shutting down oil and all that stuff. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't even seem to play politically that your president would be begging other countries to. It's the planet, the whole planet. It doesn't matter. No, if you produce, it's only the United It's the whole it's planet. It's only the United States, Scott. It's only the United States. We're, how are we going to shoot ourselves in the foot and then beg other countries to allow it? You know, listen, none of it. This you want to you want this to all make sense. It's, it's what I told my wife. I said. There's one way this all makes sense. If you are a socialist and you hate the United States of America, like a lot of those Democrats in office do, if you think the United States is the problem of the world, then all of this makes sense. You want to hurt your own country. You hate your country. You know, Barack Obama got elected, and he said, I want to fundamentally change the country. You think yeah. the United States is the home of the worst racism in the history of racism. Okay? You, think, you, you think the United States are genocidal imperialists. You hate the United States. So, yes, of course they want to hurt the United States. They don't care. They don't care. They hate Americans, and they hate the United States. So when you look at it from that lens, from that viewpoint, everything they do makes total sense. I don't understand how you build a political party that hates your own country. That's really well, strange to me. Well, I mean, it's happened throughout history. I mean, you look at uh, Venezuela, you look at you know, Brazil, look at Russia. Russia, they used to be run by the czars, you know, and up until World War, around World War One, or right before World War One, you know, and you know they got the the populist and the and the and the the, the bourgeoisie, you know, the the working man. We're the working man's party or whatever. And then you get a, you get the, everyone stirred up. By the way, does this sound familiar? You get everyone stirred up, and then you have a, a war and the government, or 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 you either have a civil war or you have a government overthrowing or people overthrowing the government. And then they install their people in there, and then all that working man stuff goes out the window. You saw it in China. You saw all these Chinese dynasties go for thousands of years, and then the socialists get in there, and now you've got uh, Mao Zedong, and people are freaking starving it by the tens of millions. They don't care. But were they anti-patriotic for their country? Has that ever happened? Uh, they were anti uh they were anti the the establishment of the government. It happened in Cuba. Have you ever do do just do some casual research on what what Cuba was like before the communists took over? Cuba was like Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It was it was beautiful. It resorts. There was lots of wealth going around. And but you had a segment of that population that for whatever reason uh, was not participating in that wealth. And the socialists and the communists got in there, and that was from Russia. They ginned it up like, "Oh man, look at all those rich bastards over there." You, know, you see, you see, uh, you see Biden and you see AOC tax the rich. She's wearing the dress. Tax. It's the same damn thing, repeating over and over and over again. Mm. It's the same thing. Well, yeah. But so, I just think the the thing about unique about our country is that we have a political party that seems to be anti-American. They're ashamed of the American flag, uh, and lightly I am too. I I like the Texas flag. I think we should secede from the well, union. I think the union has long outlived its usefulness to American freedom and all that stuff. So you, we can go. You, you really you really want to get a a, a Democrat 
So a role, I'm talking about a big liberal, but not, not a conservative Democrat, but a big time liberal. You really want to get them into a, into a, back them into a corner, just go, do you love your country? And they oh yeah, I love my country. Yeah, absolutely. I love my country. Mm-hmm. And also, and so I'll go, well, what part of the United States do you love? That's I'm not talking about geographic. I mean, actual, the, the fabric, the government, the people. What part do you love? My friend? Yeah. They will. They have nothing to say. If you, and so, if you, the Constitution. No, no. The Constitution is racist. The Constitution is racist. They can't. They can't. They have nothing to say. If, if you the ask them, of No, no, no. That was written by white. That was written by the white patriarchy. Who said all men are created equal? Oh yeah, yeah. But that what that, that all was men. I mean, that they was said that exactly with the slaves. Yeah, but he still said all men are created equal. They wanted freedom for the slaves, I think, and it was politically inconvenient, and so they had to make a compromise in order to to pick between two evils, right? You have the evil of slavery, but you also had the empire across the ocean that wanted to control us. And we're like, the, well, the fact, yeah, the fact of the matter remains is that almost every country that has ever been has at one point in time practiced slavery. It is not exclusive the United States. But the United States, as far as I know, was the, has been the only country in time that had a war where that was one of the central reasons why we went to war. Not the only reason, but yeah. it is a central reason. Right, the central reason. Great Britain got rid of it through political means, and then, you know, then they, they had slavery. They got rid of it before we did. Like, uh, what is it, uh, about 40 Will, years? Will, William, William. William Wilberforce or whatever his name is, Amazing Grace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thirty or forty years before we did, and uh, it was only a matter of time. I think history, uh, economically, it, it would have been different, but at least we wouldn't have killed more Americans than any other time in, in U.S. history. You, you, you should see. I, I talk to a lot of Democrats that are nice people, but they're not very educated. You know, which is what I find with most Democrats are not very educated. Now, not that doesn't mean that all Republicans are educated, but most Democrats are not educated, even the no. even the ones with uh, college degrees. But I'll I'll ask them. I was like, what country, what nation in the modern era, say the last five hundred years, what nation imported the most slaves? And to a T, to a T, they all go, oh, the United States. And I'm like, no, not 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 even close, actually. I'm like, what? Like yeah, I no, it wasn't even know the answer to that. Was it Great Britain or was it uh, no, <laughs> no, it, no, it was neither. But when I say when I tell you the name of the country, and you start to think about what the people look like, it'll it'll totally make sense. The, the country that imported the greatest number of slaves was Brazil. Really? Wow. Now think about what think about what Brazilians look like. I have two They're kinds light, of Brazilians. Light brown, right? Well, you all, you all, well, yes, but you also have a lot of them that look black. Hmm. Yeah, look at well, look Frank at Sinatra look at, saying about Brazil. He's saying a song, yeah. Brazil. So this, that was a popular uh, country at one point in America. If you look, if you look at Brazilian people, they either look uh, Latin or they look black. It's, and it's and no joke. It's about fifty fifty. Or you have a, or you have a cross of the two, right? Because you know they they had so many slaves, and they inbred, and it's you know it's just part of the fabric of their of their nation now. But no, when did they get rid of, of slavery? 
Uh, I don't remember, but they they got rid of it for later in the United States. When did Brazil outlaw slavery? Let's see. 1888, 1880, 20 years, 20, I would, 24. I would have been wrong because I would have guessed the early 1900s. Oh, no. you're, I mean, oh, not I too far off. I would have been off by at least 20 years. Uh, okay, uh, 1880, 89? 1888. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. In fact, so this was there a was movement. a Yeah. Yeah. And they imported him from uh, Africa, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And who? And who? And, and that's another thing. Uh, you ask the average Democrat uh, when the, when these slave these slavers, you know, these guys they they got these slaves and they brought them over to uh, these different countries, Britain, the United States, Brazil, whatever. So how do they do that? And they go, oh well, you know, they they went out there and they uh, they round them up. I'm like, no, that that's that's also not true. I said you had other Africans would go round up uh, tribes, basically their tribesmen that they did not like or they had a, they were at war against or whatever, and they would sh- they would bring those men, women, and children. They would ca- capture them, and it was the black people that would trade or or sell the slaves to the slave traders. Yeah, and then the slave wow. traders would put them on the boat and then take them across to wherever, right? Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't justify white people buying them, you know. No, no, I mean, no, no, no. Fun, man, it's just like the but drug. No, trade. no, you're you're missing my point. My point is, is that most people think that it was the white dudes that went into the interior of Africa. Well, we stopped, yeah, like we were talking about uh, earlier. Liberals think of you know stage one, and they don't think any anywhere past that. And, yeah. Oh, okay. White people's had slaves. End of story. We don't think about where they came from, even though that doesn't justify. Uh, what we did, we did uh, owning slaves. There was a large in in the United States and in certain other parts of the world. There was a large contingent of Irish slaves. Irish slaves. Did you know that in the United States you could buy a white per, a white redheaded child or man or woman to be your house slave? Wow, that's buried in yeah. history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's. I, I don't say it's buried, but it's uh, it's uh, it's there. It's not, it was, a, I but it, did they have any redheads that were like uh, after twenties, you know, mid twenties? I would. I mean, I would. I would have had from. <laughs> there would have been that kind of one right there. Plenty, plenty of, uh, plenty I of. Oh, you woman! I bought you with you, money. I have the receipt. <laughs> yeah, look at this receipt. Uh, go get me some dinner right now. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. Don't so that I, hard. That's what I am. <laughs> I would love. I would love to spend more time researching slavery. And by the way, slavery still exists. You know, it, it never went away. I mean, and you know, you, you have you have slave labor in China. You have. Uh, Christians and you have prisoners and you have Muslims that get uh, put into uh, concentration camps and they they perform slave labor, mm-hmm. but uh, you know but we kind of look the other way because that's China. Well, besides right? that, look here's the crux of the issue. We're talking about something that was generations ago, and uh, these politicians want to keep this uh, you know aspect of our history alive. 
and really keep people mentally in prison because, oh, you know, my great-grandfather was a slave. Therefore, I'm incompetent because of the uh, system, and I can't overcome it, even though Ben Shapiro, what, uh, what's his name? Not Ben Shapiro. Uh, what's, all these uh, other people uh, make it, uh, you know, of all colors, make it all the way up to the top. They make lots of money. They're famous, yeah. all that stuff. But somehow the system is still rigged. Yeah. Well, and you know, you got, uh, you've got. Uh, okay, sorry. sorry. Well, uh, I, was, I was parked in the parking lot. Uh, he, talked, he, he talks about this mentality with even white folks. You know, the country person that says, "Well, the the little man can't get ahead because of big government yeah. and all that stuff." And and we have that in the conservative movement too. Same mentality. Oh, yeah. Sure. You know, we uh, can't, we you, can't get ahead because of the federal government. And I've I've fallen into that trap myself. But you know what? I moved from Michigan to Texas, and uh, that I changed my state. And to hell with the uh, federal government. Uh, I, I I relocated, and uh, they're largely irrelevant in my life. In the and, in the uh, 1990s, I saw so many people when Bill Clinton got elected uh, first in '92, and then again in '96. I saw so many people say, there's no way, you're never going to get ahead anymore in this country. And it, it's, it's over, you know, forget it, throw in the towel. And I saw so many people become millionaires in the 90s. Yeah. Not not me personally. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was not, it, it had its problems, obviously. But there were there, people, my point is people were still able to be successful despite, and Rush Limbaugh would talk about this, you can be successful despite, Despite what the government and despite what a Democrat or a Republican does, you know. Yeah, you got to so. overcome your surroundings. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, I'm getting you in the Roman Empire, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, it was a good talk. I must, I must, just, I must leave the podcast now because I have to get gasoline. All and right. I, and I'm and I'm yeah. requested at home too. We got an hour and a half, so I'll probably break this up into two different ones. Oh, a two-parter. Yeah, you're gonna have to have a, a cliffhanger on there too, so they come back for part two. Definitely have that. That would be the oil section. Yeah, <laughs> when you're ripping the right. oil. Yeah, big oil. Yeah. yeah. Okay, right. man. I'll talk to you. Later. All right. Bye. 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 There you have it. That was part two of our hour and a half conversation. This was a couple of Saturdays ago when we were getting our tree. And um, so, well, I am trying to put together more of these episodes. I have a lot of recordings. I just haven't uh, finalized them because uh, I, I, I can't do any, any editing. I don't have the time or the priority to, um, to go through every episode and you know, edit. It's going to have to be the way it is. So if there are interruptions and all that stuff, it's going to be the way it is. Also, really, the main body of the work I want to do on my podcast, uh, other than uh, really what I think I can do well is is write a blog and then read it. If I can get better at reading, which I think I have since I started uh, in uh, March, I think I started this podcast, and the reading was pretty terrible. And um, But, you know, I just knew I'm going to have to get better and... So that's what I've got to do. So that's what I'd, uh, that's the the highest quality will be that. And then, um, you know, my conversations will basically be fillers of decent to 
entertainment and maybe some education and inspiration in the meantime. Well, until the next episode, you take care and uh, hope to have you back to listen to more later. Bye.